0: Welcome back to Era of Epid Trail Talk, number sixty-eight, live from Phoenix, Arizona. I'm your host, Jamil Curry, here with Matt Feldake. How you doing? I'm I'm doing well.
1: How are you doing?
0: I'm good. Uh, just got back from my week up in Colorado. Packed a lot in 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 a week, so it was it was a lot. But it's good to be back. And yeah, I'm just gonna say we're watching now. We got the throwback to the 2014 Hard Rock which is the first time I made like a big race movie, which is kind of fun, so enjoy. It Looks good. You did a good job, Jam. It, it's still the same thing, it's great. Like hard <laughs> rock is like timeless, it's like the same thing happens. Uh, how you doing,
1: sir? I am, I'm doing well. I'm excited just like our chat is to hear a little bit more about uh, kind of your hard rock experience and all, uh, all of the Silverton greatness. You know, especially coming off of your, uh, maybe not so ideal, your abbreviated, uh, training block for hard rock. So I'm excited to hear how it went.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think we have a lot to cover. We're going to talk a little bit about stuff happening with Viper running as well as we like to do every week. And then we will definitely talk about maybe some reflections on this year's hard rock, a little bit, a little bit about my experience, but also what you saw from afar. I'd love to hear your take on just watching the race unfold, um, I was in the race and I, my phone was, was dead half the time or in airplane mode. So I didn't really know what was going on or I didn't really hear much. I think at one point, you know, someone asked, Hey, did, do we have a winner yet? At like one of the aid stations they are like, oh yeah, I think Killian just won. So it was like, <laughs> it's kind of cool to be out of the loop and not really know, but it, it was also kind of insane. Cause I think I was at the Sherman aid station <laughs> and they're like, yeah, he finished like a while ago. It's like, I'm at mile 72 and he's done back in Silverton. And I've got, I'm thinking about all these climbs I have left to get over Mm. all these passes before, you know, I'm gonna finish like 12 hours later or more, which is insane. So, uh, and then also this is a live show. So hop in the chat. We love doing Q and A at the end of the show and also answering your questions throughout. We've got Bryce over here behind the control board. He's going to be chiming in with his thoughts on hard rock as well. So, um, but yeah, to kick things off, I know I talked last week with Nick, a little bit about Kendall and Silverton Alpine. Um, but I guess we'll, we'll chat real quick about it. Um, we were focusing on some of the fast guys that, uh, that won the race. We had Logan Moore, um, local young kid from Hesperus. Took the win course record in the 50k and then we had uh willie milam who is a roots running guy do you know much about him or have you followed him much at all
1: uh i've seen the name okay uh, i don't know that i have followed him a ton but um i've known and followed some of the other guys who have run for roots running and so i think i've probably seen his name in passing but super cool to see Uh, at least in, in my opinion, I guess some like faster road guys, uh, kind of making the transition or at least jumping in one trail race. Um, that's a little bit longer than what they're used to.
0: Yeah. And this is kind of where it starts. I mean, look what happened to Adam Peterman, you know, he kind of runs, a a trail marathon. Then he runs a 50 K and 11 months later, he's Western States champ. So pretty crazy. Um, so yeah, thank you to all of you that came out to the Silverton events. Definitely mark it on your calendar for next year will be the weekend before hard rock again, and it's going to be a great time. So it's an incredible way. If you're not you know, ready for something like hard rock or your a 100 or something really tough like that, or even tushers to get out there in the mountains, you can do a double day. We had so many people do both days of the races. So it's really awesome. Uh, otherwise coming up for Aravipa this weekend, we've got a local night race run and rides and then Tushers. And that is this year, a sold out race. It's been sold out for, I think a couple months now. And we've got, we're at our permit capacity for that one. Um, but we've got the hundred K going off, probably the largest fields we've ever had. We got the 70 K, the marathon, the half marathon, and hopefully next year, we're going to shuffle it up a little bit and move, half marathon to sunday morning and probably add maybe a 10k and that will give us some more room for the longer distances on saturday so any of you out there that are missing out this weekend on tushers or next weekend on tushers stay tuned
1: yeah hopefully we'll uh be able to get more people to experience utah's kind of hidden gem there
0: absolutely um what else is going on we just had the hard rock should we jump into that or do you have anything else you wanted to add in
1: revival wise no i think that that is pretty much it i think the only other thing obviously if you want to you know support what we're doing here you can shop the merch over at the mountain outpost we've got um some awesome run steep uh gear and we'll also have these uh new Mogian monster uh trucker hats um from boco that will be live on the website tomorrow so nice be on the lookout for those we only have uh so many of these to to be selling so you'll want to make sure that you get your hands on these you don't need to wait till the race they'll ship out right away
0: yeah correct
1: you can select uh like the store pickup option um and we'll be able to either hold it for you until race day if you want um but you know we're far enough out to where you can get it beforehand so maybe you can even rock it on race day if you want and
0: yeah, we just had, what, a Mogion monster training run. Was that this last weekend? Yeah,
1: yeah this Bryce last weekend. was Yeah, you want to tell so. us about that? Yeah. Uh, so we, we
0: got what, three of them this year in total. This was the second of three. Great way to get up there, explore the rim. If you're running the race or if you just want to get out there and, and see the area, because you're hopefully going to do it someday.
2: Yeah. Uh, so the training one was awesome. We had a pretty good turnout for it. Started out of fish fish hatchery. Uh, Took the Highline Trail, which if you are running on and you haven't ran the Highline Trail, it's something you probably want to scout just because it's more up and down than what it looks like on an elevation profile, I would say.
0: And it's technical and rocky.
2: And even kind of hard to find in in certain spots. It's overgrown. And then then we made our way to Myrtle. Took the Myrtle climb up to 300, which uh, Margaret from Rim Runners had like a fully stocked aid station for us up there like
1: shout out us, to margaret shout out to she's the best shout out to
2: margaret
0: she was right at the top of the road where myrtle was
2: as soon as we topped
0: out that's you amazing see,
2: you could see your car and uh she had popsicles like oh, all sorts of food that's uh, sweet uh, <sighs> yeah it was very fun we made our way back 300 and then down babe hot trail it was
0: great. Yeah, so babe hot down, um, back down into Dollar fish hatchery. Exactly. Nice. So yeah, that connector isn't part of the course, but you do run on other parts of the of Forest Road three hundred. So man, now I'm getting all nostalgia for Mogeon. I'm like, I gotta get that redemption. I don't know I don't know that it's gonna be this year for me though. Hard rock qualifier. Uh yes, it is a hard rock qualifier. So if you have hard rock dreams, you can still sign up mogion monster it is there one of the qualifiers that's not sold out most of them are sold out
1: a lot of spots left in Muggin, uh as well I believe there's less than 40 spots left um, wow that's going to be a Muggin. sellout think, for yeah, the first 30, time 38 spots left, left oh my left. gosh so if 35 are, spots left yeah, in the Mogion monster wait. you don't want to wait
0: yeah wow so we have how many signed up? We have 159, which – so this will be the largest field we've ever had, which is cool. Yassine Boon coming in. Yassine, let's go. That's awesome. Um, and shout-out – I got a shout-out to the women because I'm just going to be my plug here. So we would love to see more women run this race. There's only 21 entrants out of 159. It is a hard rock qualifier. So, like – and the way the hard rock lottery works now, the more women – that qualify and apply to hard rock, the more women's spots there will be. So even if you maybe don't wanna run hard rock yet, if you still apply, it bumps up those spots. Girl power. It'd be more spots, so. You know? Anyways, that's awesome. How many people came out to the run? Is there a good turnout?
2: Um, it was a good turnout. I made, uh, I've got a little reel that I think we'll probably be putting out on social at some point, but I I mean, over a dozen.
0: Maybe nice. 20, yeah, probably 15, 20.
1: Yeah. Maybe a little bit more. Sweet. That's
0: great. Um, Cool. So, yeah. Jump into Hard Rock stuff. What do you want to know? I
1: I think we had a a pretty good segue there as we transitioned from the Hard Rock Qualifier Mogian. Good work. Over to to Hard Rock. So, uh, how how were you feeling going into the race, aside from, obviously, maybe not feeling... Uh, super well trained. Um, like, how are you? How are you feeling coming in, both physically and mentally? You know, the night before, um, you know that Thursday night when you know kind of what you're about to endure over the next 24, 48 hours.
0: I mean, overall, I was feeling pretty good. Um, you know, I got a few good nights of sleep leading into it. Was a little sleep deprived from the weekend before, but. You know, body felt great. I was not injured. You know, my abbreviated, I don't know. I had, I was looking back at my training, like I went to ring the Springs in early June and like course marked and did some course sweeping. And that kind of started my little buildup. So I did those few days. Then I went to broken arrow right after that. So I think I had like one or two days off in between those, then I caught COVID. So I had six days off, but then I ran almost every day until, you know, my coach forced me to take a day off or something like right before race week. So, um, you know, I didn't like roll my ankle or have any sort of setback. It was all pretty solid. I did, I think all my workouts, despite the COVID for like the month before the race, so that was pretty good, I think,
1: um. Yeah, I don't know. So mentally, physically, you felt pretty good. How, where was your head at, you know, as you're trying to go to sleep the night before hard rock? Yeah. I mean, I
0: think kind of the, the game plan with my coach was on the fast side, I had 31 hour splits written down and on the slow side, I had 35 hour splits and these were based upon, I think some of what maybe Nick ran before or maybe some of my old times or just times in general. And so, I mean, I was really hoping to just stick with Nick as long as possible. He also was kind of targeting that 31 hour range he had after, I think the halfway point, he had like a diverging, you know, of course him and his negative split. So it's like either he's going to negative, he's going to even, or he's going to just slightly positive depending on how he was feeling. So, but, but they were all the same. The first half, it was all like right on my split. So. I was thinking that we were gonna be for sure together through a, probably Animus Forks, and then maybe even Handy's, we would be together. And we started out really slow together. I actually couldn't locate him at the start line, but as soon as we started running, it was like me and him walking and everyone else is running. so it was easy <laughs> to spot him. But we ran so slow and conservative. We were just like walking chatting hanging out like probably middle back of the pack i think dakota and killian and those guys put an hour on us by the first aid station at mile 11. (laughs) like they did like 216 and we were 311. this is like insane so and and it was going great um we were we were having fun there are so many friends and people that we knew that had hiked up near the ice lake island lake area So it was just like, every time you turn a corner, there's people cheering. There's like the Topher Gaylord. And then there's like this, you know, crew from Ofer and then there's Billy Simpson and like the top of grant swamp pass just had like Zach Miller and tons of photographers and videographers. Tony Hill was out there and Max Romy and, uh, Billy Yang, all this kind of stuff. So, um, And then going up the Oscars climb, which is mile 20 or 18, something like that. Mm -hmm. That's when I noticed I was working harder than Nick was. My heart rate was probably 10 or 15 beats a minute higher. Mm -hmm. And although I was keeping pace, it was really starting to work me. And so once we hit the top of the, the Oscars climb, it's like Wasatch saddle. I think you basically just descend down into Telluride Nick. He just was running a little bit more aggressively on the downhills. So he took off and I kind of just went at what I thought was a more reasonable pace. And, uh, that's where we separated. So I didn't see him again the rest of the race, which sucks, (laughs) but I came into Telluride and, and got refueled, made a really quick stop. And then we had kind of our first storm hit right before and right after Telluride It was like hailing and raining and and pretty crazy. Um, I thought I was like falling way off my splits. I started like taking little breaks to catch my breath, going up towards Virginia's, but I ended up hitting my splits perfectly like governors and you engineer was like directly on. And then even animus forks, I was like one or two minutes off of what my coach gave me as that 31 hours to the fast pace, Mm -hmm. so that's kind of the start to the race. I don't know if you want me to just keep going through the whole thing. Yeah. I I could take a break, take a breath maybe.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so when Nick started to, to kind of pull away mentally, did you feel like kind of like, Oh dang it. Or did you feel good that like, Oh, maybe he's feeling good. Or was that like disheartening at all? uh, You know, seeing as you you know you wanted to probably run with him at least through the halfway point
0: it wasn't like super disheartening it was more like dang it like i wanted to keep hanging out and like nick why are you going so fast is that going to come back to haunt you yeah i didn't understand why he needed to be going like why he needed to push it that early um but you know he's his own person he can do whatever he, he finished, wants you know
1: Finished pretty well. So. He
0: finished well. He you could tell he was really wanting to go after his like negative split, do what he always does, but he didn't quite have the fitness to do that. Yeah. So I think he said he he was like pushing really well up to maybe mile eighty and then he couldn't keep pushing. He just kind of like stayed a bit static or fell back a little bit. He still did great. Yeah. But I mean, if I would have run that thirty one hour pace, I would have just been not too far behind him. And we probably could have run together more so i'm a little disappointed for sure <laughs> i wanted more miles with them but what can you do it was fun though like going down into yure on campbird road you're on this long downhill road for a really long time and i ended up linking up with maggie first and then darcy and i didn't realize at the time they were running second and third woman mm-hmm. so i was like you mean only Courtney's ahead of me? Like this is crazy. I didn't think I was doing that well. Um, but it turns out it was all right. Yeah, it turns out
1: you were doing okay, huh? So,
0: yeah. Can't complain.
2: I do uh, have a few messages from the Oh comments. yeah, let's jump into the yeah. chat a little bit. Let's see here. Is there an official record for fastest sibling duo in a 100-miler? I don't know, but I think
0: there should be. So, aid station Fireball There's an account on Twitter and on Instagram, he posts a lot of meme or She posts a lot of memes on Instagram and just kind of does commentary on Twitter, like different things did a whole deep dive on these hard rock statistics. And I think we're the fastest hard rock sibling pair at, at least at that race. I don't know about all hundreds or however you want to break that down. Probably not, but. I mean, we're probably one of the only siblings that do it anyways, but. yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's some other families. Like, there's quite a few, like, husbands husband and wives that all run Hard Rock, or there's even been some father and sons that have run Hard Rock even in the same year, which is kind of cool. Like, Gary wow. and Keith Nippling, I think, ran it one year, the same year.
2: Very cool. I like the FKT's been doing, uh, like, the, the mixed-gender stuff for Mm -hmm. like a mixed gender category now too for some of this stuff. So yeah, that's cool.
0: It's like working together, team effort. Nice.
2: What's the sketchiest climb either direction on the Hard Rock course? I did Grant Swamp Pass uh, counterclockwise in 2020. I had no idea where to go for a bit since it's so straight up and all scree.
0: Yep. Um, The sketchiest, (coughs) excuse me, sketchiest would be probably Virginia's pass would be the sketchiest. Uh, and there's that one in has three pitches to get to the top in the counterclockwise direction. It's not as bad from this year's clockwise direction. And then going up grand swamp pass in the counterclockwise, also quite sketchy. It's sketchy coming down too. It's just a loose scree pile, uh, Virginia's that climb it, this year it, it was weird because we had this crazy storm climbing out of Telluride and then Virginia's was bone dry. It was like loose gravel and dusty and they, they hadn't gotten anything, which I wish they had. Cause it would kind of like make it more tacky and easier to, to kind of go down. But yeah, sketchiest question,
2: question from me. Yeah. You, uh, any uh, injuries, falls, ankle rolls, anything of that nature
0: nothing no not like a fall or anything related to that but i did have i don't know if it's exactly called like i would call it an injury but i think my it band started flaring up it happened for a brief minute descending off handies it's really steep steps to begin and then it was fine for the next like 25 miles and then the last 13 or 14, I started pushing the pace on the uphills, um, dropped my pacer. Like he had to pull out. Um, and I was trying to catch Stephanie case, who was second place woman at the time, and I blew out my it band somehow, and it was extremely painful the last two downhills were really ugly and I could feel it tugging the entire last climb, like every single step was just painful
2: mile? Did that start at?
0: That was It was right around Maggie Gulch. So probably with the climb out of Maggie, I started to feel it pulling a little on the uphill. And once I started running down off of that Buffalo boy Ridge, so probably 13 or 14 miles to go okay. is when I started feeling it. It just kind of got progressively worse. And I hit the top of that last climb and I'm like, I don't know how I can run this at all. Like I'm going to have to just limp this in and I ended up. I was like turning my. F- I was trying to do like oh. run w- in like a weird way so that it wouldn't put as much pressure. So I was like running duck footed, mm-hmm. or like pigeon toed, yeah. to kind of change the angle. And it it actually kind of worked. Like for brief periods, I could run little stretches, <laughs> and then I would just walk for a little bit, and then I would run weird again. And I don't know.
1: I'm just picturing you like waddling like a penguin or something with your toes uh, pointed
0: all the way out yeah gary could tell you all about it because he <laughs> paced me in the last bit and i was like grunting and i actually still made pretty good time um and i, I just didn't care i'm like i was like i'll risk whatever this happens because i don't want to walk this in for four hours
1: well now you're a true hard rocker <laughs> that's true because of it yeah
2: <laughs> curious to hear about your biggest low point and high point during hard rock any unexpected challenges
0: biggest low point i had kind of a mild low point early on from maybe mild doing that climb with nick up oscars from there through probably virginia's was pretty low um at least the climbs and then right around the start of the second morning was a pretty big low point for me. I was just so, so tired. It did not, I wanted to sleep so badly. My pacer would not let me sleep. He actually gifted me two five minute naps, which was pretty cool. I was, he wasn't supposed to do that according to my coach, but he gave me five minutes in a chair at Sherman and then five minute like trailside rock nap. Um, but yeah, I was a zombie out there. It, uh, being sleep deprived is hard in these races sometimes. Oh, I can't imagine. It's brutal.
2: Being sleep deprived at elevation
0: too. Yeah. So I don't know. I was like, I was, and I, I had just downed like an entire cold brew can and I was still the same amount of tired. It's like, it didn't matter how much <laughs> you're at the point of no I, return. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I put all this caffeine in my body is doing absolutely nothing and I can't nap. I got to keep moving. So I just like, It's like nothing to do, but treat your body like a machine. And you're just like, give it instructions. Like I was just having my brain tell my feet to keep taking a step. It's like, as long as it could do that, I could keep moving forward and it did it. So.
1: Do you think you would have taken longer aid station naps if you didn't have pacers as was your original, maybe kind of plan?
0: Yeah, it's possible, it's possible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i don't know i don't know what would have happened.
1: you know shout out to papa curry for ringing up the pacers <laughs> never know you know kept you from a sure four-hour nap yeah, it is maybe good. It
2: is good. Yeah. <laughs> i have some questions in here about nick's shoes uh,
1: no that was the that was did really, uh did they not
0: figure out what they were
1: so debo shout out to dylan bowman and ryan thrower uh, as we've got their video on kind of in the background here he did some like uh, live, like, watch party type stuff um, during Hard Rock, uh, similar to maybe what you had done for Barkley. Oh, okay. Um, and he had seen a photo of Nick in his shoes, and that was the talk of the live chat during that. Did uh, people
0: not figure out what it was?
1: No, they wanted to know what road shoe it was. Oh. Because at first they couldn't tell. Then some thought it was uh, an Adidas trail shoe, which it was definitely no. not. It was definitely an Adidas road shoe. Yeah. Um well he but,
0: modified the heel as well. He cut out the heel counter and then like sewed fabric back in, so that might have uh, thrown people uh, off. I couldn't use that that to identify the shoe probably. Uh, yeah, because he because of his Achilles thing, he like yeah, he like chopped up all his shoes. Classic. Yeah. And then they would like fall off apparently sometimes. <laughs> like if it got stuck in mud, it would just like you know, there's n- nothing holding it in really. So I don't know.
2: Is there, in your opinion, uh, like a key to ramping up for a bigger effort
0: like Hard Rock? Is there besides just like Burt, I guess? I mean, I don't know that there's anything that's like markedly different when taking on any Mountain 100. I think, you know, if you're working with a coach or designing a program, I think having a well-rounded program is important with – you know, speed work and hill work and volume and rest and probably strength training and all these different factors and things. With hard rock specifically, I think the acclimation is quite important. I think practicing on steeper grades to get, you know, your body used to that, like stressing your Achilles tendons and, you know, I don't know, your quads and things like that. And Hard Rock has some long road downhills too. So if you're planning on running those, like go and find a, a road with several thousand feet of descent over several miles and go pound it out. Um, things like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm no expert, obviously, but I think one of the big takeaways is like consistency with your training as well, right? Like no matter what race you're doing, really, like, yeah, you need a well rounded plan, but you need also to learn need to. I that. Because I don't do well. With that. Uh, you need to, you know, be consistent. You know, day over day, week over week, year over year for kind of long term growth in the sport. Absolutely.
0: Anything else from the the chat right now?
2: Yeah. Let me see. I think my audio might have been a little low. I've got to boost it up here. What shoes did you wear for the run, Jamil?
0: I actually wore three different shoes. I started with the ultra glide, and the reason I changed out of them was because my socks were disintegrating. I think I had a pair of old stance socks that I probably <laughs> raced a lot of races in. you know it's like, oh yeah, I always throw this pair on when i'm when I'm racing, and apparently they were quite well used so i I took them my shoes off to dump rocks out after descending down Grant Swamp Pass, and I'm like, oh, I can just see. I see my skin poking through, like, these socks in multiple areas. So <laughs> when I saw my crew in Ure, I switched them out. And I just decided to throw some new shoes on. So I threw on the uh, S-Lab Ultra 2s or 3s or something.
2: The purple ones?
0: Yeah. Threw those on in Ure, And I ran in those all the way to Cunningham. And then I think I... I wanted another sock change and i just figured i would throw a new pair of shoes on too and i switched into the pulsar trail pros for the final nine miles all right
2: So a little bit of a quiver
0: it was a quiver yes <laughs> a little bit of everything now in a perfect world i would have worn a better pair of socks and i wouldn't have touched my feet and i would have just kept going the whole way that's what, yeah, Nick did that. I do that most races, so.
1: Well, I'm impressed that you were in a pair of stance and not a pair of, like, Target $2 uh, bullseye playground socks. Or I something. was later on, so, yeah.
2: When will Nick Curry get a sponsorship contract with a major shoe brand?
0: You, I When they wake up? and no, I'm <laughs> kidding. Uh, that's a great question. I'm not sure. I've seen Nick even, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, running in Skechers. I almost feel like he doesn't really want that because he wouldn't want to be limited to one Mm. shoe brand. Like, I think he really enjoys trying all kinds of different shoes, but I don't know. Maybe there is a brand that would be his favorite. I don't know if it's Adidas or what. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, I mean, I think uh,
1: just my little two cents on that. I think that brands are missing the boat here. Nick Curry holds the American 24-hour record on the track, the very product that most brands sell the majority of, which is their road-running shoes. Um, And so for them to not entertain that and to say uh, that that sector of the sport isn't marketable, in my mind, uh, and again, just speaking for myself, is quite lazy, to to be perfectly honest. So uh, brands should... uh, embrace the challenge of storytelling around that aspect of the sport so that's all i got nice (laughs) did
2: you see any
0: wildlife did i hmm trying to think i don't know if i did that's kind of weird huh it is i mean i heard some birds chirping uh, (laughs) like early morning uh i don't know that i saw much in terms of wildlife out there yeah. It's going too fast. Yeah. <laughs> did you use poles? I did have poles the entire way with me. Yes.
2: Um was this hard rock different compared to other times you have finished?
0: Oh yeah. I mean every single hard rock's different. Um I mean this one was most different because it was the di- a new direction for me. Um you know, the weather's always a little bit different. Everything's always a little bit different. Um, we had a few storms here. There's certain years where we don't have much of anything, there's other years where it's a little more prolonged. Um, this year we had, like, I think I was rained on four times, but it was all pretty short, like mm. 10 minutes or less each time. Did you get cold? I was absolutely freezing climbing up from Telluride. Um, so, so cold. Where I was like thinking if if this goes on for like an hour, I'm gonna be in trouble. Oh. (laughs) Like but then it ended. And then the sun came out and then it was great. But I don't know, it was it was actually a pretty mild night. Once the storms cleared out, it was clear and it was not too cold. I was in a short sleeve shirt the whole night, even into the next morning when it was the coldest, and like finally put a jacket on, I think like an hour after it started getting light out. Okay. So I was feeling pretty good.
2: These questions just keep coming in. Nice. makes Um, my
1: job pretty easy. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Did you hike all the uphills? What was your strategy with pacing?
0: Yeah, I hiked all the uphills, and I actually hiked most of the flats, too. Um, So, like, I'm running down Camp Bird Road, which, you know, bottom or top all the way down to the bottom is 13,000 feet down to 7,800s, over 5,000-foot drop. And it kind of levels out a couple times, but anytime it leveled out, it's still a really easy road. You can run it simple to run. I just walk, just walked it out.
2: Now that you've gone both ways, do you have a preferred
0: (laughs) waiting for that question? I, people were asking me while I was running the race, what I thought. And I'm like, I don't know, I'll get back to you later. Or right after I finished, I said, I don't know. I think I prefer the other direction. The, the one that I've gone more often. And why is that? I think it's not, my answer isn't just, oh, it's like easier this to do it such and such way because the trail and the climbs are this. That's a lot of the the arguments I hear where they're like, oh, I love running down Camper Road instead of having to walk up it. Um, they like these big long downhill road sections or something. And then the steep ones are really easy to get over i don't know but for me i think just the total experience of like when you enter certain towns at certain times plays more into it from for me personally i like the flow of getting like the maggie pole creek section done early when you're fresh and it's like i don't know early in the race um you kind of go over handies earlier in the race and you're kind of racing to get to your before dark. And then I know the leaders now are like going to get into Telluride before dark, but at least for me, it was like getting into your before dark is awesome. Seeing your crew and then bombing down into Telluride and in, in the nighttime is just, I have such good memories of doing that. And the way that the climbs like stack up at the end to me is so much more epic and I prefer that like having to climb Virginia's on the steeper three pitch side to me is like more epic hard Rocky than this other way. Same with going up grant swamp pass, things like that. So just a personal preference. Mm-hmm. I think it's more epic. I think I'll just like the way that you kind of come into the towns a little bit differently that way.
2: I was surprised. I was going to say you didn't really have, I was thinking you would say you didn't have an opinion on it. I'm Surprised. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. though. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This way it's like, late in the race. You're just like way out in no man's land in pole Creek. And you know, you're, um, you don't see your crew a lot for a really long time. I don't know.
2: Gotcha. How many mashed potato burritos did you crush?
0: I think I might've eaten four. I'll just go with that.
2: Um, <laughs> I, I think we <laughs> answered that. What, what did you, what do you do if there's lightning high up on passes? <laughs> did you experience that?
0: What did I do or what was I supposed to do? Uh, (laughs) yes. Um, I mean, what you're supposed to do is like, yeah, if you hear it, you can count the seconds between the flash and the the boom, of course, to see how far away it is. And there were times when it was like flash bang, but that was like pretty low down near your I mean, you really should try not to be above treeline when that's happening. So if you can find cover below treeline, Um, take shelter somewhere, get down in like the lightning position. So just stay as low as you can. You don't want to be the tallest thing around. Um, so you certainly would not want to be going over a a pass or a peak. If you know, you're seeing lightning and hearing thunder at the same exact moment, like you should go down in elevation, even if you're going backwards. I didn't have that exact experience. There was definitely thunderstorms in the area, but I was usually part the way up a climb in the trees or really low down and near one of the towns when that was happening. So, but I always feel the pressure and what I usually do in the other direction when I'm climbing handies, you're up above tree line for a really long time. Tree line ends around 11,800 feet and you're going all the way up to 14,000 there. So most people in the race, they just press on, even if it's popping off everywhere. We just all kind of keep going because we don't want to lose time. We want to get on to the next thing and the storms usually move through. So I don't know. That's like my two-part my two answer where it's like, what do you really do and what should you do? Yeah,
2: yeah. We can, do you want to do a pause on these? Cause they just keep coming in. And- we can
0: do a pause. I mean, I don't know. Is there anything else we want to cover? We can cover the actual race itself. Like, what were your reactions
1: watching it? Did you tune in much? Were you watching Debo chit-chat? I watched uh, Debo uh, when he came on um, most of the time, which was him giving his takes. He had Corinne Malcolm and Mike Wardian on uh, during some of it as well to kind of give their opinions. Um, I enjoyed tuning in because Debo is very good. Like, he gets very excited. Right? Like he's very passionate about the sport. And so just watching how, like, beyond stoked he was for like Killian and Francois to be kind of duking it out um, was pretty cool. But outside of that, I, like everyone else, just followed the classic I run far tweets and, uh, yeah, followed along that way. And it was super fun to have like such an elite field. It was awesome to see uh, Dakota kind of like back uh in a lot of ways you know like he ran you know an incredible race and put it out there and ran out front for a good portion of the race and so that was cool to see and then i mean the battle for for uh goatness um at the front on the men's side was pretty cool
0: yeah super excited (laughs) for dakota i mean just kind of
1: putting himself in a position where
0: he was You know, trained up well, acclimated well. He obviously knows this course super well. Uh, He was able to run with those guys kind of stride for stride and even put some time on him going up engineer, which was crazy to see or like hear about. I think he put 10 minutes on him. Yeah. Into one of the aid stations at one point and then ended up getting caught. Um, He dropped Eric Sensman as a pacer at one point. (laughs) And then did you hear who paced him from Cunningham to the finish? No, who? Kyle Skaggs.
1: Oh, I did see that the legend himself.
0: So yeah, is that his first
1: time back out there in a while, or does he come back? I
0: haven't seen him. Year. I haven't seen him since I went out to visit him on the farm, like a few years after Hard Rock. Like I think I brought him. I brought him a bunch of stuff from from Silverton that he left there when he left that summer. He hit a deer with his car. His car was totaled, and he was heading up to Ashland, Oregon. And so he just left, like, all of his personal belongings, including the Hard Rock Trophy and everything, like, in the place he was renting, the house he was renting. And they ended up just putting all of it in these bins in a shed. And he, like, never made it back to Silverton to get his stuff. So I took his stuff down to him in his to his uh, farm in New Mexico. But I haven't seen him at the race. And, like, he hasn't... He's really been absent from the sport entirely since something like 2008. So... Or 09 or something like that. So... Yeah, I was texting Dakota last night and he said Kyle's strong, which of course he's strong, you know, and yeah. I don't know. It'd be, cool, it'd be cool to see him turn up again at a race.
1: It'd be awesome. Come get a qualifier out at Moggin Monster. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah,
0: I don't know. I don't know where he's at with his life and what he's doing, but the fact that he would come out and pace at Hard Rock gives me a glimmer of hope.
1: Yeah. No, that was cool. When I saw that Sensman was pacing Dakota, I was just like, H- "That's one, that's awesome. But, like, just seemed very, not necessarily odd, but, like, kind of odd. Really? Yeah. It was just like, oh, Sensman. Of course, Senseman knows everyone. Of course, Dakota knows everyone. It, like, that wouldn't no have been. team sports here. Yeah. Long, everyone goes
0: across brands. No,
1: for sure, for sure, for sure. I just, I wasn't expecting okay uh expecting that and yeah it was really cool i think one of my favorite moments though was dakota was up maybe like 10 minutes on killian and then francois was right behind and i forget what aid station it was but killian came in and got a a fist bump from uh from dakota's mom oh really at one of the aid stations
0: and it (laughs) dakota's mom's awesome
1: it was it was awesome it was so awesome But yeah, that race, uh, up front was absolutely, uh, absolutely incredible.
0: Seeing some of those clips kind of reminded me of like a couple times at UTMB when there was these big packs of like Solomon athletes or just guys up front, kind of like late into the race, even just like running together in a little pack. It doesn't happen every year. Sometimes there's like guy off the front, but it's, Super cool to see, you know, a pack of guys, you know, as late as like Animus Forks or Handy's stride for stride.
1: Yeah. No, that was really cool. And then Dakota obviously broke away, had I think at one point an eleven minute lead or something like that and got reeled back in. But Killian and Francois, I think, were basically even at like mile ninety one still. Ninety one and then Killian just put the hurt on him. Dude. He ran a
0: 145 split from Cunningham to the finish. It's funny because Nick, back in '08, ran one of the fastest all-time splits at the time. It yep. was a while ago now, but it was like a 2:15. He's like, it was like this crazy time, and Killian just did a 145. <laughs> that is nuts.
1: Well, over the last like nine miles or so, he gapped Francois by like 15 minutes, right? Like that was what he ended yeah. up uh ended up at and got the overall course record. Um, so he's the owner of that once again. He came here, he reclaimed
0: his title, he got what, his fourth win, I think.
1: Yeah, well and what was interesting, he showed up like on like Wednesday or something. I
0: think he didn't really get any altitude acclamation. No, he just
1: like <laughs> like Monday I think it was honestly like Tuesday or something like that. But like, ah, just, there aren't many people who can do what, well, one, there aren't many people who can run as fast as he just did for hard rock, right? Like, no one, it's the course record. But to do it, just like, ah, showing up, race week, I'm assuming that he was, you know, sleeping in like some sort of altitude tent or uh, device. And I know that in the past he's exercised in something uh as well like when he's been on the bike and stuff like that i mean he's done everest a couple times exactly glancing up and down everest so it's like number one
0: the fact that he has put his body through that in his lifetime he's probably up there for a couple months at a time acclimating like i i don't i believe there's some residual to that that just the fact that you did that Like even like, cause I've, when I first started going to Silverton and up at altitude, I struggled so bad. I would get the altitude headaches, couldn't breathe, could barely step. And now I go up there. I did my 18 mile run. I think the same day I arrived into Silverton and like, I felt pretty good. I was like kind of jogging along at 12,000 feet, no real issues. Um, And then even at the end, um, I was powering up climbs to 13,000 feet and I felt great like i wasn't struggling too bad so i think i'm sure he was using his devices and like maybe he's got his altitude treadmill or his mask like why you know he knows what to do yeah and he's not gonna leave that stone unturned um yeah he probably didn't have the time to come in well with the weeks. family now and well, stuff Francois like that too, too yeah yeah he does it a little differently yeah you know? he comes he spends his time you know, fully preparing, like yeah. he knows he needs to do that and killing yep. him, Maybe just has a different program. Yeah. So are we moving along here? Moving do we along. have any more Courtney? I mean, shout Co- out her. Yeah. First I mean, record. that was, uh, that
1: performance was
0: incredible. And despite I think puking on every downhill or every uphill, like ha- half the race, it's still incredible. If I'm nauseous, nauseous, and eh, nauseous and puking, I like can't keep pushing. I don't know.
2: Wait, Courtney was nauseous yeah. and thrown up? Yeah. Interesting. Like a
0: bunch. She could just take in broth like later on. Uh, it's weird. So.
1: I mean, she was so, like on the day, she was just so much better. Like it reminded me almost like her UT, UTMB performance, right? Yeah. Where it's like, man, she is just like today on this day, she is just that much better yeah. than what everyone else had. And it, it was really cool to watch and – like the ladies' field was like really, I felt like really deep, and she was just like kind of a tear ahead. Uh, oh yeah, as she, I mean, you had some incredible
0: athletes is. out there, like women that are so accomplished: Stephanie Case, Megan Hicks, Megan Hicks, Maggie, Darcy, uh, Angela Chartel, um, and they all did great. But yeah, Courtney is just yeah. kind of in a different league, especially when it comes to this to this race. So pretty pretty awesome to see. I'm, I'm really happy for her. You know, getting the finish and
1: Yeah. Yeah, no for sure. I mean, it was a shame to see her not be able to get it done last year. Um and for her to to show up and
0: But we said on the show two weeks ago records were coming. Yep. I think I picked Francois over Killian. I'm sorry. I did as well.
1: I apologize to Killian. We bow down to you. Uh, (laughs) But we did
0: get the two course records right, so that feels pretty good. Well,
1: and that was maybe in doubt in in the days leading up for maybe a a little bit, for people who maybe aren't in the know when it looked like it could be a pretty bad weather year. Yeah, it seemed like we dodged some bullets, like the storms weren't as bad
0: as they thought, or they hit in different spots where it didn't really... There were some really dry parts of the course, and then there were... Pole Creek was, like, nasty. It wasn't... It wasn't raining on me there, but the trail got a lot of rain. Yeah. It was, like, muddy and mucky, and you're kind of running on the side, and it was it was, it was gross. Uh, that's about all I got. My initial reflections, mm-hmm. we can go to some more questions in the chat, and then I know we have our rapid-fire round. So yep.
2: Let's knock a few of these out. Love it.
0: And then we'll close it out.
2: What's a vegetarian post-100-mile refueling meal look like?
0: So I was really looking forward to – the Silverton Gym Cafe, I'm calling it. John Fegveresi, a Berkeley finisher. Yep. He, I think he's been doing it for like four or five years now. But he's got him and his whole team, and they they cook up tons of different meals. So they had like a little vegan vegetable mushroom potato dish. They had some Beyond Burgers. So that's like I went straight in there and went for that until I was I was nice and full, and then I went for an Avalanche Thai pie that night with some non-dairy cheese so nice avalanche brewing and pizza they're a staple in silverton go check them out
2: have you run since the race
0: uh no i did do a 30 minute (laughs) hike that you were very
1: proud of i just i
0: I just walked from the office to the (laughs) salt river pit or whatever (laughs) it was funny i uh there's like water down there. There's like these riparian areas, with like palm trees growing, and there's like it's super green. And there's all these like slugs in these shells that are down there, really, They're like all over right now. I don't know what's going on. It's very fascinating. It'll be in a run steep get high video, It'll probably come out in two days. So <laughs> I was like picking up these slugs. I'm like, what is happening?
1: Speaking of picking things up. Did you uh, help with? Did, did you find a little critter in an engine?
0: Oh yeah, while in Silverton. <laughs> how was the? How was really that experience that. for you? That was <laughs> hilarious. That was uh, that was yeah. interesting. Mar- marmots are these creatures that live way high up in the Alpine. They're like giant rodents, basically, kind of like beavers. Mountain beavers. Mountain I... beavers. Yeah, they run around. They chirp this really high pitched noise, and they kind of live in these little holes. And they love to chew up electrical wiring of vehicles. So you have to be really careful. You're supposed to put mothballs, apparently you repel them or like coyote pee or something. I don't know. There's all these weird things that you can do. Like scattering these mothballs around your vehicle keeps them away. But yeah, I don't think I've ever had my vehicle chewed up, but I know Dom Grossman had an issue and there's like a ton of other people. Dylan Harris somehow got a marmot in his, tr- underneath his truck. So it was above the spare tire, it starts chirping. <coughs> we look and see, we drop the spare tire, it runs up above the gas tank, and it just like, it like tucks itself way back in there. And so we're like, I don't know, we got a stick and we're trying to like see if we can poke him out of there. We got a hose and we're trying to spray him out and he just did not move, did not budge. He just like pulls himself even deeper in. And finally I got uh, one of my gloves and like was like pushing on him and he's just like pushing back. Finally I pushed him enough, he drops out and then runs up and into the engine compartment. And so then we popped the hood and I finally got him out of there.
1: Love it. Yeah. I, I love it. We like
0: couldn't, you can't just leave him in there cause he's going to chew up Dylan's yeah. new truck. So I think it took us 45 minutes to an hour <laughs> to get him out.
1: Classic. It's pretty funny.
2: Trying to find some background. Here we go. Uh, what runner did you share the most miles with?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. Runner, not pacer. I mean the first 20 miles with Nick And then that was probably the most, I would say consistent middle part of the race after that I was near Stephen Moore quite a bit. Um, then I was with Maggie and Darcy a little bit in and out of your, then I was kind of in no man's land for quite a while going all the way up to engineer, nobody down in animus, nobody handies, nobody down into Sherman, nobody. And then I was just kind of chasing Stephanie Case. And then we were back and forth because I would pass her on an uphill and then she would pass me on a downhill. Mm. I was looking out for Coop. I almost caught him at the top of the last climb. And he like, I remember looking back, he looks back, he sees me, and then he just like goes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, of course I couldn't at that point with my leg do anything about it. Speaking of Max Romy, there he is. The avalanche year is crazy.
2: Uh, how was the Joe Grant's Picasso piece? I don't know exactly what that means. <laughs> it was so
0: good, it was great. Uh, Joe Grant has taken over Virginia's Pass Kroger's canteen aid station, and it is it's got to be the fa- you know it's the favorite aid station on the course, I think. Um, it was funny. They said in this direction they have a little bit less supplies because it's shorter. It's at mile 30 or 28. Is that right? Yeah, around mile 30. In the other direction it's mile 70. So they're, they're open a lot longer the other way. But they have um, pierogies there every year. Uh, they said they had Jolly Ranchers this year and then Mexican sports drink, <laughs> which was mescal. So he has like a little, just this little like bowl and he pours you like a little splash of mescal and you, you throw it back but this year they had this painting on a canvas and it was of maybe the course profile with like the mountains and like some little runners on it. And then they had paint and paint pens and they let the runners like contribute to the painting. So you could draw something in or like write your initials. And so I just, I wrote jam jam and I think Nick, I could see his initials in there. It's kind of cool. I didn't see the final, Result might have to
2: do a little searching for that.
0: Yeah, there might be a picture out there. So mine looked like crap when I tried to write. I was like, I used the actual brush and it was pretty uh. dry. It's all fanned out and I it just looked like a scribble. Classic. It was kind of cool though. Like I'd, I've never experienced a crowdsourced painting at an aid station during a hundred miler before.
1: Maybe they should auction it for charity. They
0: might be doing that
1: actually. It's pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. It's a cool yeah.
0: idea. We should do that at some race. That'd be awesome. Gotta pick an iconic one though.
2: It it. Sound maybe Killian. I don't think Killian's pacer got dropped, which is good.
0: I think she Today? I think she did, but then she maybe caught back up. Oh okay. I don't know. <laughs> I heard a rumor about her getting dropped, but
2: I think I would have been dropped. Uh yeah, we covered. Any comments on Courtney crushing the race? and we covered that.
1: Yeah. Shout out to Courtney. We covered that.
2: Yeah. Uh <laughs> Marmots for next season's run steep T shirts.
1: <laughs> well, we had uh issues with them at Kendall not this past Kendall, but the year before. They it love it. Where at a the notch. up uh yeah, up at the well, up on Kendall, they had chewed up some of our wires. Oh, that's right. They did. During yeah, the yeah, live right. stream. So, yeah, I haven't
0: had it on my vehicle, but I have had yeah. a networking cable was chewed up by marmots for sure. It's
1: probably better than the vehicle. <laughs> yeah.
0: Speaking of Joe, Grant at, at Kroger's right Mr. There.
1: Picasso himself. There was that snow.
0: Was, actually, there was a little bit of snow below, but not on the initial descent. I wish there was because it's way more fun with snow there. <laughs> So, yeah, they're right in this rock is where the painting was, and they've got the stove with the pierogies. It's it's really great.
1: and That's a pretty small spot,
0: right? <laughs> Super small. They put up a bunch of tarps, and then they use a climbing pad, and they create a little padded bench for you to sit down on. So I took a little seat. I took my pierogi. I did my shot of mezcal. I did a little shot of Coke because I was feeling pretty tired, and I grabbed a Jolly Rancher to go. I don't think I ate it yet. It's probably sitting around
1: somewhere. (laughs) Maybe save it for next week's episode. Yeah,
0: I'm gonna pick. We need a little candy. We need some Mexican sports drink for this show. I think. (laughs) Well, you don't drink, but for me, maybe.
1: Well, I mean, if I could ever find Topo Chico with a twist of lime, I would uh, indulge in that. That is well, it's from Mexico. There you go. You know. So I'm
2: going to choose one more question out of here. And then I think we jump into quick takes. Perfect. Let's do it. Yeah.
0: I'll, I'll probably do. I'm thinking about just going live on like the run steep, get high channel, maybe later this week. Uh, and just doing like a full on Q and a people can ask me any questions. So. These questions just keep rolling. We in. can dive deeper later.
2: Based on what you saw at hard rock. Who is your pick for UTMB?
0: Who's running UTMB Killian. Uh,
2: I guess uh, maybe this is assuming Killian and Francois. And I guess obviously Jim.
0: At this point, I'm Team Killian.
1: Yeah. Someone else.
0: Someone besides Killian? Someone besides, yeah, anyone someone. who ran Hard Rock oh, okay. would be yeah. my pick. Francois did it last year.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But what was the year? What was it? Probably 2019? Who was who won in 2019? Uh, he, like, broke away super early. Oh, um, might not have been. T- yeah, Pau Capel. Like, Powell. Powell. you know, like, someone like that who's, Jim like, a Wallsley? real strong. Maybe. Maybe maybe i mean that'd be cool
0: to see i would have loved to see jim run this year i
1: need to see those three all at hard rock together yeah well now i want to see
0: dakota again well and yeah
1: i mean that was probably dakota's best race since he beat killian in 2012 at uh Mm. right like
0: it's a really good race
1: that, that awesome. Transvulcania run was incredible, and I think that this Hard Rock run was up there. Yeah. Let's hop into some... Peanut push. Team, Let's go. Peanut push. That kicked off uh, while you were in the great state of Colorado. I completely forgot about you it. You should have made the trip up. But then someone tweeted at me, and I saw it. <laughs> Dude, look at this guy. <laughs> <laughs> look at this guy. Oh. Wait, did he finish already? Oh, yeah. What? I thought oh, it took, like, see. weeks. No, no, no. He, he broke just... broke the record. Uh, let's go, dude. It's because he's probably like an engineer. Look at that contraption.
0: Look, and like the town gave him this like...
1: <laughs> a special, peanut holder.
0: Yeah, a special like jewelry box. <laughs> it was 150 probably. years of Manitou Springs, right? So he finished on Friday, July 15th. So as Hard Rock was kicking off. So this is Bob Salem. And a little background, if you haven't tuned into the show before, um, this is our rapid fire round. We like to pick up some crazy stories. Do you want to just go into it? I'm stealing your part of the show. I'm sorry, Bryce. Tell them what this is all about.
2: So quick takes, weird, relevant, quirky things that happened this time in like the last two weeks since we didn't do a show last week. So I've got a few of them on here. This happened, this was posted on the 15th. Today's the 19th. So I'm assuming he finished on the 15th, so four days ago. Yeah, it says. Uh, So this is the first person did this back like a hundred years ago and basically, with their nose, pushed up a peanut up Pikes Peak, which is a 14 or 14,000-foot mountain in Colorado. Uh, this Colorado man, Bob Salem, uh, reached Pikes Peak Friday morning. He broke the previous verified record, doing it in seven days. So he did it a whole day fast in the previous record. Um, he had some interesting snacks outside of peanuts, Pop-Tarts, bananas, and crackers. He That's like it. sacrilegious. He's like <laughs> eating the
0: peanuts as he's pushing the peanut. Yeah. Like, you can't do that. Well, there were multiple peanuts. Yeah, they said, how many was it? Two 12, dozen peanuts, right? Or two dozen. Two dozen. Yeah. The thing I thought was interesting, he did it mostly at night because so many people wanted to do selfies with him throughout the day that he kept getting stopped and interrupted.
1: <laughs> Wait, you don't do it in one push?
0: Well, he's like camped not How do you out.
1: mark your – oh, so you stay with oh, the peanut. Oh, all his
0: stuff, yeah. So
1: you stay with the peanut. Yeah. Peanut stays on trail? Well,
0: unless you lose it behind a rock, then you pull out a fresh peanut. But you don't yeah. lose your space. You keep going. Yeah, yeah he, I think he camped out as he – he has like hiking along the way. Oh, no, he had his backpack. So he would yep. he would hike his backpack and stuff up. He would put his stuff down. He would like hike back down. He'd push the peanut so he didn't have to hold all of his gear because he has all his food with him and his water and all this stuff. So he's kind of doing it solo. He doesn't have a big support team, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. He's doing this like solo.
1: How far
0: is it? I mean, it's like 13 miles. The half. It's the Pikes Peak Ascent. It's okay. like, well, it's probably like 12, 11 or 12 miles. Cool. It's probably 12, 12 miles. So, like, a little over a mile a day
1: mile and a half a well, it's day. like just under two a day just under two a day
2: and I had an old can of survival food from nineteen sixty four and there were little carbohydrate candies, and I was eating those
1: That sounds not good <laughs> you didn't, I was, you
0: didn't understand that piece of it, but you see the man that did this, and you're like, yeah that makes sense. <laughs>
1: dude the the
0: thing he's wearing he made this custom like nose scooper is it really pushing it with your nose if it's that i guess it is
1: no i mean you're pushing it with a shovel that's attached to your nose attached
0: to your face
1: well like think if you had are there regulations on like the length of the lever that you could use could you like could you just like curve it so you could stand Facing like up, you could and push it. You
0: could it. probably smash the record. You could probably fling it like the like Taramara's do with their bole. They just flick it. Just do some long flicks. That's what I would do. I'm just saying.
1: I think there's some maybe engineering innovation that could, could put this in, record like, out of reach.
0: if you do with this long. So well, I just, mean, I'm thinking that so you don't that, have to bend down at all. You can just yeah. be standing upright the whole time. And I it think just one day is in reach. I, I think
1: one day is in within reach if you do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. But, are, like, are there regulations? Because, like, I mean, that
0: ask, Who do we ask? The peanut board?
1: Maybe. Mm-hmm.
0: America, the city of Manatee Springs?
2: So, yeah. It happened. He crushed it. Have to put that on my
1: schedule for next year.
0: Sports evolve, right? Yeah. People create new... Well, I mean, revenue. we've got super shoes. Like, they started out... Yeah, super shoes
1: need the super peanut flicker.
2: So this was in the men's steeplechase. Oh, my gosh. This
1: was last night, and this was... I wish, like, we could call Skyler in right now just (laughs) so that I could converse with him about how abysmally funny this is. Is it going? Yeah, that cameraman is on the track during a world final in the steeplechase <laughs> he was just sta- How did
0: that happened
1: <laughs> what is he filming well and then one guy turns around yeah that guy right there turns around and like yells at him he's filming the triple jump oh so the really? triple jump runway is just off screen like where that camera guy is
0: that's insane I wouldn't play that audio. Yeah, NBC. You're gonna get you're gonna get called. Call there you go. That. Um. Wow.
1: That was awesome.
0: What race were these guys doing? Is
1: the like- the 3k steeple? Oh my god. And it was just at the start, so they hadn't hit any barriers yet. Uh, so yeah. they're like. Uh, coming yeah, up on 200 meters in.
0: in, probably didn't like materially affect the race, but it's no, but still, it's hilarious. Like, it's, it's crazy. You don't, yeah, you don't see that very often.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Taking out. Uh, um.
2: So yeah. Next, also World Championships. Oh A little gosh. controversial. I don't know if he's seen this already, Jamil. No, I haven't. This is the hurdles 100 meter hurdles
1: 110 110 meters
2: oh 110 meter hurdles yep so they go and it's a double gun shot for a false start and so Devin allen who actually is from brophy high school in phoenix is disqualified he's right there and it'll show it in a different but is there, is they, they have
1: a rule that world athletics has a rule that is based. It, it It's based in fiction. It's not based in science to where if you have a reaction time under one tenth of a second, you're disqualified. They say that it's, it means that you're guessing or that's like an indication that you false started when they have, they commissioned a research study that showcase that your reaction time could actually be like 0.08 or 0.085. His reaction time was 0.099, so one thousandth of a second.
0: It looks like he started with the same. At the same yeah, you can't perceive it to the it. to the eye. So was it like electronic that flashed? Yeah. It? So
1: there's there's sensors in the starting blocks.
0: So it felt. Yep. It felt so the it push. will
1: it will measure every person's reaction time. Versus the gun. It's crazy. He was disqualified. He has the second or third fastest time in world history Uh in the event that he ran just earlier this year.
0: Thanks, Seiko. Seiko. Well, hey, I'll tell you this. not
1: Seiko's fault. Not Seiko's fault. Sebco and World Athletics should, uh, you know, maybe... uh, so what would get their the stuff solution? together? Uh, maybe don't base rules in like your imagination. Like there's you chose you chose the number 0. 0.100 for absolutely no reason. Like they commissioned a research study in two thousand nine that showed that seven Finnish athletes, which not sure why you would do a research study with that few people, had like reaction times as low as point zero eight zero. And so to use this as, like, a black and white thing is a failure. They basically just took a medal from him. The defending Olympic champion got injured during warm-ups on the track, so he was out. The Americans probably would have went one through three in this event, but World Athletics is just continuing to do everything they can to hinder the growth of the sport in the most sought-after market in the world which is the United States. Like there were football players tweeting about this because they're like what what happened like I mean no he sense. did
0: not get an advantage there.
1: Well it, it shouldn't be a rule one and if it's going to be a rule it should be like uh like video assistant referee is in soccer where it's like hey referee you may want to take a second look at this.
2: Or do you think they just do um just like they do speed racing or wa- race walking speed walking that's just to the naked eye.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I or like, yeah, the, you're well, not cross, the or you're not
0: crossing like a thing. Before, well, I think the oh. technology
1: would be there as like a guidance where it's like, hey, this reaction time was awfully quick, so you may want to look at it to see if they flinched. But like, let the jumped. race happen. But then, but then, like, let the official look at it and determine, like, okay, no, he didn't flinch. No, I like. I visually don't see a false start. So nothing is wrong here. it was, it's an abysmal failure. And it's the reason that track and field, the most participated sport uh, at the youth level is continuing to fail in this country on the professional level. So there's an
2: article that I found. Um, Um, Let's run. (laughs) The
1: cesspool of running news. My go-to source.
2: (laughs) They got a statistician. Um, went yeah. through and they did median median start times for basically all of the world championship events through the years and on here you can see how much faster they are this year compared to every other year I will and so they're saying that that's it's there's an issue with the system
1: yeah world athletics released a statement last night though saying that everything was calibrated correctly um, That being said what what else would they say but this is kind of suspicious I saw another, Number that was, like, in the last, like, seven world championships combined, there were, like, a total of five starts that registered under .115. Right here? Right here. Yeah. Under .115. And this year alone, there were 25 that registered under uh, .115. So it's like, ah, is it calibrated correctly? Like, are people really, like, starting that much faster? is it the shoes right like super spikes weren't really a thing uh back in 2019 so is it maybe the way the shoe fits on the block itself that's causing some of this technology to maybe not work correctly noah lyles who is one of the top american 200 runners um described how these starting blocks are actually different than anything they've used at past world championships in terms of like the shape even um I don't know. I've watched a lot of track and field. That, definitely not a false start.
2: Mm, And then this is kind of the last one I have. This is, it's a little older, actually. But basically, (laughs) this is in Hungary. And in order to protest, so basically there's a a train that goes excessively slow. And (laughs) apparently
1: it
2: it takes you an hour, 49 minutes to go 78 kilometers, which is about 40 miles. And so basically they made this whole video and he races the train in a snail suit and beats it pretty handily. It's a slow train in fairness well, to them. He
1: definitely didn't go all 78 kilometers. That's No, right. he did not.
2: Which I don't know that that's possible. <laughs>
1: Look at him go. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but I just think it's a fantastic way to protest.
0: You could certainly bike faster than it, so and I would like put to a know, snail on a bike.
2: I would like to know what the distance is, where the cutoff is, where it's possible to beat this train.
0: Oh, Cause so like mean, how many miles could you go?
2: And in, in le- leading the train,
1: beating the train, yeah. Well, less than 42 kilometers, for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, well, let's see, like a half marathon. Probably like 30. Yeah. Probably do a half marathon at 59 minutes.
1: Well, yeah. Well, Eliud Kipchoge has run like basically two hours in the marathon, right? Like just under. Okay, so you like, could probably go. Stuff going on, so you 42K. could probably you could
0: probably go a marathon distance, about yeah, maybe a fifty k, maybe if you're lucky, somewhere around there. Is that right? No, no, like we're not 40K. even right.
1: About forty k, probably.
0: No, because one hour forty nine minutes for all fifty k, so that'd be twice as fast. Oh yeah, yeah so yeah. it wouldn't be very far. <laughs> Like a 10 K or a 5 K or not even. Yeah. Anyways, someone do the math, get back to us or we'll get back to you. Yeah,
1: that's right. Mm,
2: yeah. I was going to pull up one last question here. Hey, Jamil. Hey, I associate you most to hard rock 100. And of course, Barkley marathons. Would you like to run Barkley with your brother one day? Thanks for all your efforts to embody the steep life.
0: I would. I think that would be super fun. Um, I don't think he'll ever do it though, so I might have to settle for Big's backyard, which I would love to mm. do. I would love to do a backyard style race, w- competing with slash against him. It'd be super fun. How probably would we rather would do, do that. A hard rock?
1: Or at oh. Barkley. Yeah, that's what I meant. We know how he does um, hard rock.
0: I mean, probably. He would have to train differently, but I think he could do okay at it. I don't know. He hasn't gone super long, so I think it the s- sleep deprivation would become a factor. He's done about thirty hours. He's not done like forty or fifty or sixty hours for an effort. Um, and then I don't know about the navigation. If that's and like if that's his style or not. So
1: I don't know.
2: Then I almost forgot, but I wanted to give one last update on the pct fkt
1: young from chattahoochee from wit el matador himself
2: he has pulled the plug on it um that didn't sound like he was necessarily due to injury or anything It sounded like he just wanted to enjoy enjoy his trip
0: mental burnout yes from probably the restart. false start right man what
2: if that's what i wonder Shout-out to Wit. Shout-out to Wit. All right. Anything else? I think I've we're ready nothing. to...
0: I don't think so, but um, we'll be back again next week. We'll probably be talking about maybe the Speed Goat races. I think that's this weekend. We'll recap that. We'll kind of go more into Tushers and... <laughs> Got a um,
2: high lonesome
0: as well. High lonesome to look at. Is that this or ne- this weekend? I want to say it's this weekend. So we'll recap some of the other big mountain races, then Ura One Hundreds this weekend. That's so right. We'll, we'll do some recap on just kind of like it's kind of mountain racing season right now in in the Rockies and the high country. You know, it's all opened up right now, so it's time to get up high and do some racing over some beautiful country. You know, beautiful terrain here in the states. Uh, that window is short. We only have a few months where where it's possible to do that. So we'll see you next week, guys. Thanks. Bye.